listeners with attitude and welcome to a very special bonus episode of the power trip a journey through the power rangers franchise i am your host michael and with me as always is my wonderful co-host nathan marchand hello and with us is a very special guest he is the writer producer and creator of scyther media mr carl dutton how are you doing good sir no bad thank you very much for having me on i love this uh very professional setup. It's, it's like being on a real tier, top tier podcast. <laughs> oh, we are a top tier podcast. Have you seen our uh, our poster we art? Actually, we have the best poster art of any Power Rangers podcast yeah, out there. I was seeing it when you've been posting it up on the group and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much, man, for doing this. We are we are huge fans of your work and everything mm. that you're doing. We, with I think we I think we've referenced it. I think at least once an episode since we launched. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, we we reference it. We reference it quite a bit. So <laughs> it's hard uh, not to. Like, I have just launched um, for doing my own um, side stuff for the Patreon. I've started uh, doing like we're reviewing the episodes. Before that, we were doing commentaries on the original episodes, and it's hard not to go. Oh, I guess I adapted that without realizing. Oh, okay. <laughs> like there's certain stuff that you like absorb without realizing it. Like in the recently, I, I watched because we were watching Zoo Ranger as well as watching the original Mighty Morphin. So sure. I watched the the extended fight that is the first Mighty Morphin fight, and Jason fights Goldar with a sword with putties around him, and I was like, wait, I did that. Did I do that? I, must, <laughs> I, I didn't even deliberately do that, but like, wow, okay. I love it when that happens. I'm a, besides a podcast, besides podcasting, I'm also a creative writer, professional writer, and I love when I do stuff like that. It's like, oh, I didn't intend for that, but it just happened. It's wonderful. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. So Carl, can you just take a few minutes, introduce yourself to the folks that aren't familiar, that may not be familiar with your work and, and we'll just take it from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a few years ago now, I started doing these audio drama podcasts. I started with a Star Trek one. I did uh, an adaption of Batman, the long Halloween, things like that. And I started getting these professional voice actors who would just do it just because it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And, um, the X-Men series I did got very popular, um, which was an adaption of, cause it started as me going, okay, I want to see these shows. And if I want to see these shows, other people want to see these shows. Why has there never been an X-Men series where they adapt the comic continuity, but bring it up to the modern day and, you know, modernize it and make it all make sense? Wait, I could just do that show. But of course, doing it in live action would cost hundreds of millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. You have to get to a location, I have to hire a mansion, I have to get the people there, the special effects. It would be one episode a year and, you know, it would be insane production and obviously in these days it probably wouldn't be really happening but the audio drama side of it i was like okay if i get top quality voice actors and top quality audio and i get the top sound effects right and i get the music right it's like reading a book your mind will fill in the blanks and as long as it's describing it well enough and the music's telling the story you get invested in the performances mm -hmm. then you it will be just as good as live action um and obviously with power rangers i think the translation of that was i was obviously i'd done x-men which was also a kind of action oriented thing and people were like well how are you gonna do power rangers as an audio drama i'm like there's a you know you just use a narrator you use sound effects you make it so that somebody can hear what is happening and get invested in it so then in 2018 after taking a bit of a hiatus because i kind of got a bit burnt out on everything i took about three years off and then i came back and at that point i was really um getting into power rangers again and the 27 movie so 2017 movie had come out mm -hmm. and i was a little bit let down by that movie and it was a case of <laughs> 
I was like, yeah, I, I get what they're going for, but they went almost too far in the other direction. They went too far into the YA. Like, and I absolutely love that stuff, and I've done a lot of that stuff in my show. But for me, some of that inherent silliness needs to stay, and some of that inherent um, Japanese aesthetic needs to stay in order <laughs> for the show to have the nostalgia kick that we would that we recognise it of. And in the, there needs to be more rangers involved. And I, I generally believe that if when they're morphing or they're doing something cool, the wrong Wasserman theme is not playing, you're doing something wrong. So I was like, I want to do a show that is nostalgic to the original shows, but mm. then also brings it up to today. And then I started reading the Boom comics and I was like, okay, wow, yes, I have, I love this. The only thing with the Boom comics was that they're shackled by the original continuity. So as I've said in the past, in the nicest possible way, there's only so much you can shine a turd. There's only so much you can build <laughs> around something that was inherently made silly and didn't make sense. Right. So I was like, what if I did the, you know, the Marvel approach or the DC approach of taking something that was originally created for kids and people have got a lot of nostalgia for, but I make it have verisimilitude. I make it have it so, okay, yes, they say the thing. Yes, they say all the lines and the music and everything that you remember, but everything makes sense when it happens, and there's a reason behind everything happening, and you are invested in the characters instead of just the visuals. And all the things that I wanted to see in Power Rangers, I was like, I will make that show, and um, I hopefully I've done it. Yeah, for sure. You're kind of answering several of our questions already. Dang. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was, li- yeah, you get me started. I'm, I've been a podcaster. If you get me started, I will talk to talk. No, it's perfectly fine. We, like, we both, both, uh, Nathan and I are cursed with the, uh, with the bug to just keep talking and, and, and because we're, because we're both really passionate about what we, what we talk about or else we wouldn't be doing what we're doing, which, you did answer a lot of our questions, like especially like how Scyther Media got started and every, everything. But I want to kind of dig a little bit deeper and and dive into why Power Rangers, because uh, what a lot of people don't realize, and I think this is what uh, I've been coming to realize, and Nathan too, throughout our own journey with the franchise, uh, me revisiting it and him diving deeper than you know he had uh, in the past. There is a lot of interesting depth to the franchise that if you play around with it enough, it it can make some really good entertainment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think as a kid, you know, when you were eight years old, you didn't question a lot of this stuff and sure. a lot of that, a lot of that backstory and that mysticism. It seemed as deep as like Star Wars or anything else. Like you felt, you felt like that was there. And it's not until you're, it's one of those things that you're like, oh, that was an amazing show. It was so much, it, you know, the 90s version of the show was so much better. And then you go back to it and you go, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. And, oh, yeah. that's not how I remember it. Oh, they never ever explained that. Oh, uh, I, I see. Uh, I remember in one of the bonus episodes you did where it was kind of a behind the scenes thing after season one, you're like, yeah, the best things in Power Rangers were the Japanese bits. and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and then once you realize that, and then it's like, and then the American version kind of watered it down. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's awesome about it, but a lot of it's from that Japanese show. Look, I love the original characters. I have a lot of nostalgia for the original characters, and that's why I've used those those characters and and, and built sure. on the. Mm-hmm. But they weren't. 
they were archetypes. They they didn't really have like Kimberly was really the and Tommy were the only really ones because they stuck around long enough that actually yeah. got any character development. Mm-hmm. Um, the the rest of them were just kind of there to say the lines and stand in the spots and mm-hmm. you know and and that was a, a case again. I am of that generation which is you know same as you guys where I grew up on it and you go go back on it and you go this is not the show that I remember it being yeah. but I yeah. still love the music I still love the visuals I still love everything about it but it's not like if you go back to Batman the animated series you're like oh my god this is not not only is it as good as I remember it's better than I remember because you see the extra depth that we didn't see originally mm-hmm. uh, I wanted that for Power Rangers I wanted something that was like you get that nostalgic feel but you also can enjoy it as just a good bit of entertainment and a good bit of story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. th- this is, this started out as, as, as a passion project for you. That is. Oh yeah. Oh, it absolutely you. is. Yeah. It yeah. has a passion project. Like if, it, you know, I put in, you know, hundreds of hours for, for no, you know, I'm, I, as I said, with when I launched this Patreon recently, I'm at, paying the bandwidth out of my pocket and paying for the software in my pocket. I get all the actors together, cast it all, do it and spend all hundreds of hours editing it because I love it. And then I listen back to it and I'm like, wow, if I'm getting hyped by this, then I know that other fans will get hyped by this. You know, I make the shows that I want to listen to myself as a fan. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. yeah, I totally understand that because the the Power Trip is one of several podcasts that I'm involved with, and on my flagship show, the Monster Island Film Vault, it has some audio drama elements in it. Not it doesn't take up the entire show, but just editing like these little story bits that are maybe five at the most ten minutes long. I, trust me, I know all about the the perils of putting it all together and making it work. I feel yeah, your the pain. Big action scenes, I write them and I'm like, oh my god, why did I do this to myself? Because <laughs> um, every swing, and look, every swing doesn't necessarily need a need a sound effect, but I feel like in order to be invested, it does. So I am a perfectionist with that stuff. And sometimes the conversational scenes are almost as hard because, like, you put them together and maybe there's a dog barking in the background that you have to remove and you have to smooth out and you know, it's it making it so that you're not pulled out of it mm-hmm. yeah. to produce a, to produce a single episode, Carl, how do, how long does that typically take for you? Um, for me, um, it's more a case of waiting on the actors to get the lines to be, to be honest. Sure. Um, like it, for writing a script, I could do a first draft in just like one night. The original episode, I just rewrote to rewrote and rewrote. And then after that, they just kind of flowed out to me. And now I've got a script editor who came on for the second half of season two or the majority of season two, who has been kind of, he, I send it off to him and then he'll do a rewrite or a, a retwig where he thinks it could just be improved a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I'll take it and go, no, I actually like this a bit more. And then I'll make like a final draft version and that will go out. So that'll, that'll take maybe, you know, a couple of weeks for that process. And then I get it to the actors and then it's just a case of me politely going, um, guys, I need those lines. Um, guys, I need those lines. <laughs> but, you know, most of them are working professional voice actors. And I'm like, you know, I, I can't afford to pay anybody for this, but doing this because it's fun. Mm-hmm. So I can't be like, you know, unless they're really, you know, messing me around and it's, it's taken six months. I can't, I'm not going to tell, tell them off for not getting me lines. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm happy to yeah. wait, especially, you know, this recent, there's a little bit of a longer wait between this last episode and this next one, mm-hmm. because a couple of the cast got COVID. It's like, Oh man. There's no avoid, yeah. There's, there's nothing no you can do about wait. that. Yeah. 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 There's so, nothing you can do about that. Well, and uh, the other thing uh, for what I understand is that uh, this was actually one of, uh, one of our questions. Uh, where are you based? Because most of your actors, if I remember correctly, are, uh, they're all over the place, aren't they? 
Yeah, I'm in uh, England, and, and my, my original base when I first did Star Trek and X Men were from England because I put the casting call up on a on a website that was UK based. Mm-hmm. But I did get some American actors who live over here. Jeannie uh-huh. uh, McGuinness and Omri Rose are two of them who who are Rita and Law Z actually um, are two guys who are Americans who lived. Omri's moved back to the states now, but they lived over here originally. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the guys came from that first show, that first Star Trek and then into X-Men. Um, Jason Rivers came from that, uh, Omri Rose, Natalie Winter, Steve Chesterton, who was the original Beast in Colossus. Quite a few of the guys came from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I, um, listening to the audio drama, I can honestly tell like this is a passion project for a lot of your voice actors mm-hmm. because they're actually selling the lines. You know, the, the actress that plays Rita is wonderful. The, the actor who the, the actor who voices Tommy is sp- I think it's spot on myself <laughs> yeah I uh, if I remember right you didn't you tell a story about how the first time you listened to I wish I could remember that actor's name you'll have to remind us uh, for Joey, the time Joey Solis yeah you said that yeah because I think that you said that when you first heard his audition audio you actually thought for a hot second it was Jason David Frank <laughs> and people have said like oh my god he sounds just like Jason Frank and that's something that Joey took pride in is is he, when he sent me the original edition, he says, I've taken time watching JDF's blogs and things, and I've, I liked him. I've made a point of imitating his voice. It was like, mm-hmm. wow, no, absolutely. There was, yeah. there was, it, honestly, I got a lot of auditions for Tommy. There was never any question as soon as I got Joey's. Who oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Which is, uh, is something I, I would I actually would like to talk about because you have examples like Joey who mm-hmm. really, like, pins down the the original actor to imitate his voice and uh, you know at least his uh, you know, auditory mannerisms and all of that he's really spot on but then you have a few that really take ownership of the character and do their own thing with it a case in point the and again I can't remember his name but the guy who plays Zach in the show mm. he's very different from a, a remind me Michael what was the original actor's name Walter, uh, Walter, um, Walter Jones. Yeah. Walter Jones. Walter Thank Jones. You. Yeah. And the guy who plays him in that show is Kenneth, Kenny Dolls. Yes. Yes. But he yeah. has a very different take on Zach. Very yeah. much. Yeah. But I, I, you know, that was a case of the auditions come in and in some cases they do a very close version. I think Nick who does Jason is, is like, he's very close to sort of the cadence almost mm-hmm. of us to say John, yes. but he's made it with a, like a Chicago accent because our Jason's from Chicago. And right. like every time there's some guys who, every time I get the lines back, I'm like, my God, you added so much to that. And Nick is just one of those that's like spot every time a plus. And then they get ones that are very different to what, but it works for the character. And especially with our version of Rita Bandora, I was never going to do the Wicked Witch of the West. Ah, after 10,000 years, I'm free. I was never going to do that, Rita. <laughs> and Jeannie's voice is very different, much kind of a younger voice. But I think it fits the character much more for this kind of Machiavellian, scheming, almost evil, temptress sort of Rita. Yeah. I think it, pa- well, I- it, paints a really, it paints a really clear picture of the character with, mm-hmm. with her voice. Like That is what I'm most impressed by, especially with the actress that plays Rita. She, pa- she paints a very clear picture of that character. And what I also, and to piggyback off of what you were saying, Nathan, there are several characters in the audio drama that sound nothing like what the show did. Finster, for example, is one that I'm thinking of offhand, where Finster was kind of like really high-pitched and he talked like this. And, and, and in the act 
actor, the actor that plays it in the audio drama is very slow and low, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. And it's just, it adds a little bit of extra to that character. Like you're not directly trying to imitate the show. You're trying to get the, the essence of the character itself and whatever voice fits the best. And that that's just what fits. Yeah, and some characters are diff- very different from the original, some are very close. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can liken it to for love or hate of the movie is the um, Star Trek 2009. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best uh, equivalent. Like some people were like Carl Urban was doing a spot on um, yes. DeForest Kelly impression, whereas Christopher Pine was doing a uh, Captain Kirk character mm-hmm. who wasn't necessarily doing William Shatner. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I- I've always felt like, I think I've heard that Chris Pine was putting a bit more Han Solo into his Kirk than you know than William Shatner, and at, there are points where I do feel like, and I I think this is less Chris Pine and more the writing, but I do feel like at points, particularly in that first movie where it was more like they were doing parody Shatner mm. and not real Shatner <laughs> a little yeah. bit, but the but I I do think that is an apt comparison because like like you said, love it or hate it they were actually able to make the characters recognizable enough that you could say, yeah, that is this character. Mm-hmm. In some cases, the characters are completely different. You know, like I say, Rita is probably the best example of just the character who have just who added layers and layers to that wasn't originally there. Mm-hmm. And some of that is um, down to Sadama, who's come on in the last season. Like I already had Rita be this kind of, backdoor sort of like the idea was for season two that lord zed is like the dark side he's the thanos he's the the guy who comes in and he's a force of nature he's just pure evil whereas rita is much more of like yeah that's not really working let's do this sort of chess piece kind of thing and and i did introduce some of that but the sadama added so many more layers to it like the the episode nine for example of season two he did a rewrite that made rita's plan like wow that like it made it from a really good plan to like a holy cow like this this rita is like you know she's a Mm -hmm. chess master she's like a magneto sort of character Mm -hmm. very much Uh, i Um, was just gonna say for me i think the character that you have expanded upon the most that I have really appreciated as a writer myself because it was just surprising. And I was I was calling up Michael and telling him, I was like, have you heard the new episode? Because I can't believe they did what they did, which was Saba. Saba was, it was just incredible what you did with, Saba, with him. Because one of the things that I have to, and I haven't watched a whole lot of Die Ranger yet. Michael's seen Die Ranger. One of the things that bugs me a little bit about Saba and Power Rangers is that there's this really cool concept of Tommy having a talking sword and they hardly do anything with it. He doesn't talk very much. And then by the time you get to season three, he just shuts up for no reason. I feel like it was almost like they had the Die Ranger footage and they were like, well, we've got to have him talk because he talks in the thing. But, yeah. You know, he's yeah. not really a character. He's just we need him to talk because yeah. he's in the footage. Yeah. Whereas in Die Ranger, the uh, Saba, the, the Sentai counterpart for Saba, was literally the mentor for the White Ranger, who was actually a very hormonal 12-year-old boy. So it mm. actually made sense but then you took that and you know one of the things that i love about the show is that not only you're borrowing from the original show and the comics but you're also putting in a little bit of the sentai so it's just wonderful melding of all three and you took saba and you made him into 
and this this incredible character and took him in directions that I wasn't expecting, especially in I can't remember which episode it was, but when they the Rangers convince him to bring Tommy the back. Episode, the one the one that just came out last yes. December, yeah, the episode ten. Yes, uh, yes. Where, 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 where he sacrif- it, spoilers, uh, anybody who's not seen the show, uh spoilers boys there. Uh he sacrifices himself to to res- to mm-hmm. do what he himself put into motion almost to undo. Mm-hmm. And the um, thing is is that it made complete sense. So you, so you have this character who in a and I think in lesser hands just would have been this lofty uh, uh, moral character, but you know, who thinks he's beyond all of this stuff, but the Rangers appeal to him in a way that actually makes sense where he's like, okay, I can work within what I've actually done. I see the error of my ways and here's a way that I can help you. It, it, mm-hmm. So it's just, it made me I mean, very happy. It took, it takes a really unique talent to give a character arc to a sword. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I did my best, and a lot of that is also Shane's performance. Did a, he did a fantastic? Job oh, it's wonderful! Of, oh, yeah, of wonderful. doing that, of doing that character, and a lot of that came from um, some collaboration with Saddam. And like, he introduced the idea. Like, when I originally wrote episode six, where the SWAT team guys come in and all that stuff, one of the main mm-hmm. things he suggested for a rewrite was there'd be a little more consequences to Tommy being resurrected. Originally, I just had it that he would be like, he would not eat and all that kind of stuff that I I was talking about. But he brought up the idea of like, he'd always become emotionless and like he'd lose control of his body. And I was like, oh, that's a cool idea, which then led into the whole or David character art with him and his brother. And then, and then Saba almost became like a villain for a little while until they, the Rangers were like, look, what you're doing will cause Tommy to become Draken. Stop. And then that's what Miley made him turn around and, and realize he was, he was doing things for the right reasons. Cause you know, his logic did make sense of being like, look, you, you can't live in this world where you're still trying to be kids and you're trying to go to school. It's like, no, you need to be warriors all the time or we will lose this war basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Saba became, and almost kind of creepy. There was parts of it that was, there was some stuff that was, uh, that was deliberately funny. Like when he was saying that he should yell white power, which was like a takeoff of the season three thing where yeah. Tommy's yelling white rage power. And he was like, no, I'm not learning that for <laughs> obvious reasons. Um, but then also then he was talking about how he's watching him and Kimberly have sex. And it's like, whoa, where go? Wait a minute. <laughs> like that, that was like uh, I unintentionally made Sabra into this really weird voyeuristic character who's kind of oh I'm in a body now I can experience human things you know? <laughs> um, but yeah I, 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 that again that was just a, a thing of a great collaboration between me Shane and Sadama who came up with that idea and then he came up with the idea of Tommy um, becoming emotionless then I was like oh okay, so what's the consequence of that? Because I already had in mind that I wanted David to become the Dark Green Ranger. And I said, well, what would cause that? What would cause Tommy to, you know, snap or whatever to become Draken? Well, you know, his, his mother was introduced in one of the earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. What if she was killed? And then that then it happened because he made an emotionless choice. Like he just made the, the tactical choice of like, okay, I'm going to choose between two people. One of them's a power ranger. One of them's not. I'm he made the logical ranger. choice. He made yeah. what, what would be seen as the logical choice instead of what maybe you and I would make as the emotionally driven choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and mm. then that, he made the pragmatic that. choice. 
Very yeah, nice. he's like, we need a soldier more than we need my mother, basically, which right. is makes sense, but not, but not as a as a person. Which was then that led into the whole David thing, which again, it's just like that little spark of an idea became this entire thing. It's the same as in season one. Uh, Jonathan Hart never intended to be him a main character. It's just like uh, he, it just kind of he kept figuring out things and then it was like he was in the hospital and i was like okay i've got to have the morph now i guess he's gonna find out <laughs> here we go and then i became a whole character arc until recently well i think that uh, that leads because we we kind of touched on it and i wanted to ask you like how are you selecting what to actually adapt for the audio drama because the Pow- power rangers franchise has between sentai the comics and the and the mainline show there's a lot of lore you can pull from so i'm mm. we're, we were curious like where what are you deciding or how are you deciding to to bring in and mm-hmm. and the things obviously you have to leave out mm-hmm. it came from a place of you know, the original show, I was like, okay, I've always wanted to see basically what the movie was trying to do, which was take the original characters and make them for adults or make them for, you know, at least 12A, PG-13. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came from that place. And then it was like, okay, I want to do Rocky, Adam and Aisha, but I don't want to get rid of the original Jason Sacatrini like in the original show. Mm-hmm. So how do I do that? Well, they never adapted the Die Ranger suits and that's where the swords could come from. And I was like, okay, so who would be those Rangers? Well, four or five of them, there's replacements for who are a second team. I was like, okay, so they could just be, there's a second team that's the four guys, and then I've just got to come up with a fifth character ended up being my version of David Trueheart, so he mm-hmm. became, became David Oliver. And that, it made sense just from a character standpoint because of uh, the whole Tommy's death thing and the character drama that could come from that. So it was a case of, okay, I'm going to take the, the original show and use that as a base, and I may as you'll see going forward, I may go completely off the rails, which mm-hmm. I, season two is going completely off the rails from the original show, but I will always find a way to get it back on track, but I will do it in a different, hopefully more entertaining way. Like we will follow the, like season one is the zoo ranger. Season two is die ranger season three, Kaku ranger, but we're going about it a different way. Okay. That that's really exciting. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that is but uh, but i'm also noticing that you're tapping into some you know some later seasons of power rangers that are outside of mighty morphin example we had i believe it was alex right because there mm-hmm. were two yes. time force red rangers but so we've got a little bit of time force coming in so you know so Saddam, it was like um, you sh- I originally had it be Wes, and Sadama said that doesn't really make sense because he wasn't actually one of the time agents. So yeah. I was like, well, what about Alex? Because I've already mm-hmm. cast somebody for Wes, and it could be Alex just as easily. Yeah, so. yeah, and then, you know, and there's a uh, there's a cameo by Jen in that episode uh, in one of those episodes. So that's the sort of thing I was like, you know, how do you make the decision to? Because obviously, as we've said, your podcast, your audio drama is is this wonderful synthesis of a lot of different lore. But how do you make the decision to kind of figure out, okay, how do I branch out and you know, pick, you know, kind of pick and choose things outside of Mighty Morphin to work into this? I think that was an actor suggestion. I think the guy who plays David, Dom Solis, came to me and said, you'd be interested in doing a, a Time Force thing. And we, I was already thinking that I wanted to do something with Draken, and, and I didn't want to just do Shattered Grid. Because I, I've deliberately avoided in the same way as I've not, you know, had Matt be a character or stuff like that. I didn't want to just do the comics. And that's the same reason as why it was Alex instead of Jen. Because I, I was like, I want to do a version of this, but I want it to be, you know, my own version. But Draken is a cool character, so we could do something with that. And um, the idea of time travel of, like, somebody coming back and saying, 
whoa, what the hell is going on? All these changes and things, you know, almost alluding to, you know, it would, the, the show would still be a, you know, a more mature version, but almost that the original timeline was more like the show we remember. And all these changes as a result of this future guy is what's caused things to go wrong. So I was like, well, you know, if you're going to do time travel, time force just makes perfect sense. And, you know, it, it's a very sci-fi thing to have a character come back and say, you know, it's days of future past. It's, oh yeah. Flash, it's, it's a lot of those type of things, you know? Yeah. So a related question, <laughs> you, you might disappoint a few fans by, uh, by answering this, but what are, uh, what's some power ranger lore that you're just, you're putting your foot down and you say, Nope, not showing up in the audio drama. <laughs> I have a news. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am not the, the movie I'm going with the, the show Con Intuity is what sure. I'm generally adapting the movie. I brought in some elements of it. The stuff that uh, I thought was Dulcia. really cool. Like Dulcia, the white, mm-hmm. the white light beat was the great power. I, they were on Fados. Like I brought in some cool elements from it, but I'm not going to do I have a news. <laughs> also, I, I have plans up to Zio. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with Turbo. I know my plans were turbo and I know I won't have just to be a kid. So oh, well, I, I will tell you this because we have uh, we do batch recordings for the power trip and we have gone all the way through in space and we we had quite a discussion about Justin and how I feel like the concept of Justin on paper is not necessarily bad, but it was so poorly executed and missed so much potential that I think if they had if they had made it more than just he's a kid who's very happy to be a Power Ranger, I think people would have accepted the character a heck of a lot more. So that mm. I'm looking at it for you. That's that's a tremendous opportunity. You know what would you know what why would this kid be selected as a Power Ranger? And you know in the in the Turbo movie it was just convenient, uh, you know as opposed to something like Shazam or Captain Marvel from DC Comics where Billy Batson was selected because he was exceptionally moral despite everything that had happened to him. Or it was something that, you know, uh, it, maybe he was selected out of convenience, but then he has to grow into the role. Like, he's overwhelmed by this. Like, maybe he goes into it with that childish excitement, but, you know, then he has to learn to become a ranger. I, I'm not telling you how to do your thing, but, you know, this is a discussion that we are going to have in a future episode of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something... You know, um, obviously, the, with the shows coming out every couple of months, uh, it's we're a long way off from that. Yeah, I know what I'm doing up to, as I say, I know what I'm doing up to Zio, and you know, without spoiling it too much, for me, I want just like with Jason Zakatrini, I want the, the transition to be much more natural. I don't want people disappearing halfway through seasons, all that kind of stuff. So, for me, Zio is the finale of the original characters, and then you just start fresh with Turbo with the you know the new cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a t- like the 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 transition between Zio to Turbo was and we talked about this and we we'll, and, and our listeners will hear it later on but the transition between Zio to Turbo was tough. Like there was a lot of um there there was a lot of missed opportunities and I and I, I know we keep harping on Justin but there's a lot there was a lot of missed opportunity with the character of Justin. Like to me it would have made more sense to make him a civilian ally than an actual ranger. 
in my opinion. But, you know, the, the, the show wanted to appeal to a totally different demographic at that point. So mm, it's yeah. the Anakin Skywalker problem. of, of Yeah. This. It's the yeah. the yeah. idea of the, the, the people believe that they want this kid insert character for them to identify with, which never really works. Yeah. And generally, people like it. Kids like the, you know, we like the teenagers. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. which is something that we talked about. And but uh, I, I'm glad to see that the I can't remember the that little act. Uh, Blake Foster, I think it was his name, the actor's name. Right, yeah, he's thankfully been treated much better by the Power Ranger franchise. Well, by the Power Rangers fan base than Jake, poor Jake Lloyd was for playing Anakin Skywalker. And he's been, and I made sure to say that in the episodes, like I don't like Justin. But I have nothing against Blake Foster, and he's been nothing but a friend of this franchise ever since then, and always speaks very positively about his experiences, even though I'm sure mm-hmm. he probably did have a few people go up to him and say, you suck! But, you know, he's had a very good attitude about it. I mean, he also has the look of the fact he doesn't look anything like he used to because he was a kid, whereas the others yeah. you know, generally don't <laughs> like they did. The yeah, that's for sure. But uh, speaking of actors and cast members, how do you go about casting for your show? Originally, it was on some websites like Casting Call Pro, which is now Mandy.com and things like that. And I'd put our casting call, say, you know, it's a pay thing, but if you want to do it because it's fun. That's how I built the original group. And then it was almost kind of networking. It was, I, I went onto Facebook groups like Voice Factors Alliance and put it on there. And now it's got to the point that, like, I've got a Facebook group, um, Cypher Audio, where all the fans and voice actors are on it. And I can just post, I'm casting for this. And, I, and the voice actor friends of mine will either go for it or they'll or they'll send me somebody who they think will be good for it and then, yeah it's just networking and uh, you know the original rangers i got from the the voice acting alliance and then mm-hmm. a lot of them as i say have been people who either auditioned for other parts i'm like hey yeah you didn't get this part but would you want to come back and, mm-hmm. and do sure. this like um natalie who plays um catherine she originally tried out for a narration part when we were replacing sam after the first four episodes mm-hmm. and i i didn't necessarily think she was right for that but then as soon as i was trying to cast an australian character i was like wait there was a new zealander girl who auditioned for catherine wow okay yeah you'll do uh, yeah so i reached out to her and she was really good and she's been fantastic as catherine you know mm-hmm. um, who was yeah. the most difficult character to cast in the show so far believe it or not rita Really? Um, well, because originally I had in my head I wanted an older voice. She said her thing, and I was like, I like this. In my head, though, I wanted Maleficent. In my head, oh. I wanted um, Flemeth from Dragon Age. I wanted that kind of more regal, older, wicked witch. N- not not the wicked witch, of, ah, like, but the, like, more the kind of calm, serene, you know, the original version of what Maleficent was. And that, mm-hmm. that's what I wanted for Rita. I wanted Maleficent from the original Sleeping Beauty. And then when I didn't get that exact voice, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to listen through what we've got. And then I realized, you know, Jeannie's actually probably the best choice for the characters. Like just the way she does the, she has a really good villain voice and she played Emma Frost in X-Men. And um, she mm. just has a, re- a way of talking that's, that's very sort of, you have to listen to her. as She calmly explains. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, because we were talking, that's probably the most radical departure from the original show. Even the the original Bandora from uh, Zhu Ranger was a bit over the top. And I do think there was that Wicked Witch, Wizard of Oz influence there. And then the film, uh, Saban well, with... flying monkey, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Saban with Power Rangers just took it a step further with... Uh, uh, 
trying to remember what was the uh, what was the voice actress's name, Michael? Why is it escaping me? Uh, Barbara Goodson. Barbara, Barbara Goodson. Goodson yeah. yeah, Barbara Goodson. I know that is because um, I've been subtly tributing her, them on like um, when Rita was undercover in season one. She was um, yeah, Goodson. Miss Goodson. Yeah, she was. Uh, well, season one, she was Sogo, which was the original Japanese actress when she was the office worker, and mm. now she's Miss Goodson when she was. Undercover mm. Yeah, so the, she just took it to the next level. So the the fact that uh, I actually really like the idea that you shifted to just another famous film witch that we'll say, which I think is a very appropriate way to go. Mm-hmm. And Maleficent yeah, is sure. a great choice. Oh, absolutely. yeah. To me, to me, that was like that's the way of being evil without being, you know, I'm evil. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's there's not, pl- there's a place for over the top villains. I really do think mm-hmm. so, but there's also definitely a place for those, you know, for those calmer, more calculating villains. I, I'm reminded of when Meyer was doing the commentary for Star Trek Two, and he said because he helped also helped with the script, so he you know he brought in Ricardo Montalban to play Khan, who and he hadn't played the character in years, and didn't even necessarily remember being on the original Star Trek. But when they were initially filming the show, uh, filming the uh, the movie, he would go big with all of his lines. And uh, but Meyer, being a student of Shakespeare, told him, "No, no, 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 no. You're King Lear. S- be more subdued, so that when you have these moments where Khan breaks a little bit and he does go big, it really stands out and it makes him scarier because Mad Men are scarier when they're under control because you don't know when they're going to snap." And that was fun the character arc that we kind of went with Rita is like, originally I conceived of her as, oh, she's just a alien commander of a ship. And then it was like, okay, so, but I want to do this more kind of over the top witch stuff with her. How do we get her there? The Homer almost descent into madness as like, you can identify whether in some way of like, okay, this is supposed to just be, I'm easily getting these coins from these primitives. And oh my God, this is, I still have lost this and lost all the resources. She has. And then Zed turns up and says, you're fired and I'm going to execute you. And it all goes completely wrong. And she has to, you know, in in the more recent episode, she spent year a year building this plan and building every step brick by brick, and then throwing it all to crumble down because in in some cases Alex and in some cases Catherine finally breaking out, and you know it, it's you understand where she's come from, and in the arc of her in season one was her descent into madness, was her descent into science is failing me, but mm. I've got this ancient arc from my mother's side of the family, I've got this ancient staff that I'm powering. I'm going to start using magic. And then by episode nine, she is the full on, like I said, Georgini, go full Rita when she's doing the make my monster grow. The whole thing is, is all there. Uh, of course I have in typical show of my version style. I have a throw it from a top of a skyscraper and not from the moon. Because that's, <laughs> that's one step too far. <laughs> right. Right. I think that, I think that you have improved upon a lot of the characters we all know and love. Like there's two in particular that I think you've done such a wonderful job with. The first one being Scorpina, because we didn't get to see a lot of Scorpina in the original show, in the re- in the original run of the show. And she's such an interesting character. Like her, she's mm. the, the look, the mannerisms, all of it, her relationship with Gryphazor in the, in the Sentai. But then you brought that into the audio drama as well. And that turned to a, into a really interesting source of conflict conflict that I, I think Nathan and I still talk about that to this day like your characteristic of your characteristic of your characterization there we go of Scorpina has been one of the more interesting ones and one that I wish would be adapted more to like a more a bigger budget to a wider uh, wider audience the other one 
uh, is, of course, Zed, because you have made Zed into the actual galactic emperor that, you know, as a kid, you assumed he was. Hmm. I made him into the emperor of my souls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or uh, in, to put it in ranger terms, Dark Spectre. Yeah, like, to me, and that's why I wrote him out for the majority of Season 2, is because, for me, Lord Zed turns up at the start of Season 2 of the show, and he's amazing. But then, every week he gets beat, and by the middle of Season 2, he's a joke. Because he's been beat every single week, and he's just exactly as pathetic yeah. as Rita. Yeah, well, yeah, he's but because as powerful as he is, he could not defeat the mom's groups. Yeah, yeah he's just doing the exact plans that Rita did, but, you know, yeah. and now it's just him doing it with the Darth Vader voice. Now, for, me, for me, I'm just like, okay, he's much more effective as this force of nature. He turns up in that finale of season one, he destroys Chicago, he uh, kills Tommy, or Golgar kills Tommy as a result of what's happening with him, and he, you know, he, he then goes and sulks, and the reason that he doesn't immediately send what's remaining of his armada down on Earth is because he's like, no, I was defeated big, I've got to win big, I've got to beat them in public, I'm not just going to, I know who they are, but I'm not just going to beam to the houses and stab them, because that's not going to be as, because people have seen these these kids beat me basically mm -hmm. and he's got this ego and Lord Zed for me is, is most effective as that kind of dark side Thanos apocalypse level character where he's just this guy sitting on a throne and you know he occasionally comes down to fight but he is the person who will go big or go home he will always go for like the big public I will go all in destroy everybody force of nature whereas Rita is much more of the kind of the calculating villain that will do much more of the, the sensible plans because she's like okay the big thing isn't working zed we literally keep trying this and it keeps failing let's do something different mm -hmm. yeah the 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 first time i heard doomsday the the two-parter doomsday i mean i you kudos to you and the voice actors the music and and what you did there to produce those that two-parter you literally ripped my heart out when when you blew up chicago when they blew up chicago um, yeah yeah was, I, I was telling michael it's like this show if if it sounds crude, listeners with attitude, my apologies, but I told him, I was like, this show has balls. <laughs> this show does things with Power Rangers that I don't think most people are willing to go to. And we've seen some attempts to to mature up the, uh, mature up the franchise, but sometimes I feel like, and Michael and I have had talks about this, we feel like it goes a little too far, like that infamous kind of bootleg Power Rangers yeah, unauthorized yeah. thing. I think when the funny Zach thing was, is that was Zach is like snorting coke. And, yeah. 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 Well, what's goofy about that one was that it was, it was supposed to be satire, but most people didn't mm. get the satire, <laughs> but that mm. was an example. I feel like of going too far. And what I love about the audio drama is that it walks right up to the line, maybe even dances on it a little bit, but it doesn't quite cross it. <laughs> yeah. It's a case of, I mean, I, I do these because they're great. They're great storytelling devices, and it's a case of Zed. I need to sell his menace, and I can't have him win. I can't have him kill all the Rangers. So, what uh, you know, I need to have him have a victory. I need to have him back up his words and say, "If you do not hand over the power coins to me, I will stop blowing up your cities." And he does. And it comes from a you know that scene in um, where we see Serpentera for the first time from Die Ranger. You the see transfer you power. You see it destroy that 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 alien city or whatever, and I'm like, mm. okay, that's be much more effective if that was actually a city on Earth. And sure enough, that's what I did. And it 
it, it ties it to the character emotionally where now Jason has this has this vendetta, this nemesis with Zed because he's the one who did that to him. And I, it gets to the point that now I'm like, holy cow, these kids all need therapy. Jason, Tommy, and <laughs> in particular, I'm absolutely like, win them over the ringer. Uh, well, I, I've joked with some of my writer friends that the, all of us creative writers, we all must be secret sadists because we do horrible things to our characters. And my favorite characters are Jason, Tommy, and Kimberly. But good God, do I, uh, I want to see that dramatic stuff. So that's the stuff that I do to them. And I think it, it adds not only character, but it makes sense for their, it, for their character arcs because, you know, Kimberly's character arc at this point in our show, which will come up in the next episode, is her, of what she said at the end to Tommy at the end of episode 10 of like, I need to have my identity separate from you because every time I, I can't go for this anymore. Like we're together and you become the Green Ranger. We're together and you become as emotional as White Ranger. Like I could not deal with this anymore. With Jason, his character arc is going, I can't do this anymore. I've lost too much. He can only see what he's lost. Whereas Tommy is the opposite. He's lost all this stuff but that's the reason that he never leaves being a Power Ranger because he feels that that's the only thing that makes his life worthwhile and that's the only thing that will make it so that he can redeem himself for the things that he's done. So Jason and Tommy have had this almost opposite reaction to it. Jason sees this life has taken this from me. Tommy goes, this is my way to redeem the bad things that I've done. Mm. Essentially, to him, it would be a waste. It would be it would be a waste to just give up now because mm-hmm. what what does he work so hard for to just give up at this point? And literally, like how many characters now have sacrificed it? So we have got to the point now that he's regular Tommy as a human with ranger powers but to get back to that point three major ranger mentor characters have had to sacrifice themselves to get that mm. to get that mm-hmm. and what we as saba says it to him in episode six of like oh if you just want to go back to being dead it's like what, what does that say to dulcia and kaku of what you did what they sacrificed it so that you could live and now you're just going oh no i i, I don't want it this way it's like we warned you we warned your family before and your friends before you came back like mm. This resurrections are not like something that's just this magic is going to work. There's going to be a price. And the price was those three characters to get him back to where he was before his death. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the mentor characters, this is something Nathan and I were discussing about the characterization of Zordon. Whereas Zordon in, in your audio, in your version, is a little bit more standoffish. Like he's he is more inclined to let the Rangers make those decisions and he's just he'll he's there to give advice but he's not there to push and force whereas maybe in the mainline show he would more he would more you know push them and and direct them but now your characterization of zordon seems to be more of a just here's my here's my advice take it or leave it kind of character yeah and it caused this unintentional really antagonistic relationship between him and jason where oh absolutely there's several scenes where him and jason are shouting at each other where jason's like, oh yeah no we are not doing that because it comes from a place of knowing straight the way the zordon is not the person who created these powers if you if he's, he straight up says that you know in the that we know the kind of the retcon that happens in season three is built in originally to my version where he says i found the coins i you know i'm giving them to you and i know i've spent thousands of years studying them so i can give you the advice based on that but i'm just a you know a, a computer soul uploaded to a to this computer program i'm just here to advise you you need to do what you think you need to do because it's your world and it's your people at the end of the day. Yeah, he keeps repeating it's at the end of the basically at the to paraphrase at the end of the day it's still your planet. 
This yeah. this is your planet. You do what you feel is best. I'm going to advise you, but at the end of the day, it's your call at this point. And the mm-hmm. only time that he ever said, I can't allow you to do this, Jason was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like the exchange between, it's in, I think it's the second half of Doomsday where Jason is having this extremely heated argument with Zordon and it is, it is incredibly emotional. And Zordon, he, he, yeah, I can just imagine Zordon in his tube, just, st- just taking it, letting Jason say his piece and then realizing that Jason's going to do what Jason's going to do because at the end of the day, he is supposed to be the leader of the Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. And so Zordon is going to just kind of defer to his judgment. Yeah, uh, and, he, and he almost accused, Jason almost accuses Zordon of being what Tommy became in season two, where he's like, mm-hmm. you're just a soul in a computer. Like, you, mm-hmm. you, you don't, do you really care about us? Or are you just mm-hmm. using us as soldiers sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, think that breaks, I think that breaks a little bit because I remember in, in specifically in Doomsday Part Two, where Zordon says, "I forget how young these kids are. Mm-hmm. I forget they're still children, and because they've they've had so much responsibility thrust upon them, and they've and they've done so, and they've kind of they've went above and beyond the call of duty at this point. But at the end of the day, they're still technically children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, they they have had these." you know, what I guess would be their senior year of high school kind of robbed from them because they've mm-hmm. been chosen by these coins. And I thought it was very important built into the original version of the show of the idea that the coins made the choice because it's like, okay, you're bound together now and you haven't got a choice. Nobody else could do this. If you don't do this, the world will be beat. You know, it's not a case of, oh, these these kids that just happen to be standing together in a, in a bar, like, okay, you'll do. I, I think it makes it, it so that they have that responsibility and maybe it's a guilt trip thing or maybe it's maybe there could be a way for the powers transfer but they don't know it as far as they know it's like okay you guys pick up these powers or we are screwed basically Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah yeah so uh, just a couple more major questions that that we wanted to ask you've kind of hinted at this a little bit but i was also i was curious who else helps you in the production of the show. So you mentioned your script editor, but is there anyone else that helps to put this together? Because this is, you know, it, it, people don't realize even something like a podcast, how much work goes into that. Hmm. Sadama from about episode three of season two was doing the script editing before that. The scripts were all me. The editing is all me, but there's the sound effect sourcing is all me, they, all that kind of stuff. In terms of input and bouncing off people, I I send out like first draft scripts to the actors and some of the in the, some of the people that I trust who are like either cast members or they're people who have been on shows before with me or something like that. I'll send it to them and I'll say, "What do you think? Have you got any ideas to improve it?" And they'll come back with me with a couple of ideas and and that kind of thing. So you know, I I never want to just put out my first version and be like this oh is no nobody else can say nothing against my vision i right. if some because sometimes like i say somebody will say something that will spark me off on a completely different train of thought like the whole sure. white ranger story in the second half of season two all came from that thing of tommy having his mind taken over mm-hmm. and you know without that we don't get the you know that whole six through ten story arc but yeah a lot it, it's majority me i'd say about 70% me and then 30% just other people uh, saying, you know, this would be a cool idea. Joey Solis, who plays Tommy, does a lot of that. Me and mm-hmm. him have come, there's been times where me and him have bounced off each other and, and I've gone, oh, I like that. Oh, I'll do this and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then one last thing. I think we've been touching on it a little bit as we've been talking, but, and 
Yeah, I, I know this might potentially risk some spoilers, but for you, what is the thematic through line that you've been working with since you started this show? Well, that's a, that's a question. For me, it's about um, the, the kids are maturing and becoming and their responsibility, but it's also a case of they should be allowed to, when it comes down to it, make a choice of whether mm. this is something for them. And that was something that'll come up in the next couple of episodes of, of as I write out a couple of characters. Because at one point, up until the Shadow Rangers will be, I was like, oh my God, I've got 60 Rangers. We need to get this back down to six somehow. And we will get back down to six. And we will somehow, after all this, get back onto the track of what season three was but it's how do we get there in a completely character-based natural way. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's a case of the characters should have a, an ability to go, you know what? I've lost too much for this fight. But at the same time, Jason is the person who voices that, but he's also the person that says, guys, if we didn't do this, that it would have been six other kids. Like mm-hmm. no, no more. And if we, and if nobody had stepped up, the world would be conquered in slave right now. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we've lost so much, but at the same time, you know, Tommy, you may have lost your family. I may have lost everybody I've ever known, mm-hmm. but we made it so that there isn't millions of other people who also have that sure. that, that mm-hmm. uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Now, a quick question, uh, which kind of goes into how we're going to close out this interview, but I've been wondering, are the Shadow Rangers original to you or were they inspired by something from Ranger lore? The Shadow Rangers as characters were all completely just... Uh, it was a case of I wanted... Because I, I set up this idea of Zed as like this collector of the powers where he was kind of this Thanos character where he's collecting all the Ranger powers because he's, he's had thousands of years to do so. You know, I've, I've, obviously we've, we've had the Zeo Crystal is the, the power source of Serpentera, things like that, just hinting at all these things. So I was like, okay, so another power set for an evil set of Rangers. Obviously, the, you know, the Psycho Rangers, they did that. But my main inspiration was those awful dark rangers from season two. Yes. That's a really cool concept. What if they actually did it properly? I was like, I, uh, I, uh, we're we're, we're talking about Luchasatsu, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Luchasatsu. Uh, My nickname for them when we, cause we've covered that already. I called them the mighty Morphin poser Rangers. (laughs) Yeah. With their awful awful. costumes and their mismatched sewn eyes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Looks like, uh, it looks like uh, somebody's mom made them power ranger Halloween costumes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I actually read that the, in the original script, the plan was to have a big showdown between both sets of Rangers at the end of that two-parter. It's actually a pretty emotional two-parter too. It's actually a pretty good two-parter, but then those things show up and it just derails the whole thing. But they, the filmmakers, once they saw those costumes, you're like, you know what? Rewrite that script. (laughs) The best way to put it is the original Ranger suits are what the show is. My version of the show is. And those suits are what my show would be if I'd done it live action. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, that's 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 fair because with the budget, <laughs> because at first at first I thought you were when they when they first came on the scene I I thought you were maybe nodding to the mutant either the mutant rangers or even the psychos there for a sec I thought maybe you were like yeah, yeah obviously the psychos are an inspiration because that's the best versions of that yeah um, yeah I I but, even wondered if they were meant to be kind of stand-ins for the you know for the ninja rangers. Because you know you were getting close. Well, to yeah, that. we are. Uh, we you know, and those powers have got to come from somewhere. So you know, sure. um, like, and it, I made a very deliberate point in the last in the last episode of they were taking the coins. So those coins are there to be possibly put into the closet somewhere for you know for season three. So like, yeah, I'm I, leaving the door open with that. But again, yeah, it was just a case I wanted to do the Dark Rangers right and that and then it became this whole thing of like well one of the most interesting concepts from episode 9 of season 1 was this idea of the the US government being like you know we can't we've got to control these vigilantes and mm-hmm. the idea of you know that's been done in many superhero stories the kind of what ended up becoming like Power Rangers Civil War basically my version which makes incre- which makes an incredible amount of sense mm-hmm. yeah and you can see both sides of it you know but at the same time it's like that's but then somebody like Zed Arita can get in there and manipulate that and, mm-hmm. and you know you could call that political commentary if you want but uh, yeah. sure mm-hmm. I mean yeah that may, but it makes it makes total sense and like I said I, I thought like when I first heard you re, when I first write, heard you write them in I thought okay so she so so he's he's writing in either the mutant rangers or the psychos they could go either way there's, we were just kind of Nathan and I were just kind of curious if there's like a direct inspiration that you're trying to um, like make an homage to because there are just there are easter eggs in your in your audio drama that, oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. you know, that that casual fans and super fans can pick up on mm-hmm. which I, yeah. I i love looking for those easter eggs i love mm-hmm. yeah and, uh, and that was a big part of the original treatment of uh, what was my story idea for it was the idea of like how do i add law to power rangers how do i add the law that's missing and i was like wait what if I had the original zoo rangers be the history? And like that, that the idea is that those ancient rangers were around thousands of years ago. And mm. now the rangers are, are finding these coins and these mythical items. And they've got this history and they've got this past. And they're kind of picking up the, the mantle from these ancient rangers. And, you know, it adds a lot more mythology and, and history to it when the, you know, the swords are talking to them about the previous rangers and stuff. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is kind of what they tried to do in the 2017 movie, but they didn't quite pull it off, in, mm. in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, they didn't quite put. They didn't quite go there. As uh, I, Nathan likes to poke at me a little bit because of my <laughs> distaste. We'll say that for the for the 2017. He, film. Okay, you have to understand, Carl. He hates this movie, but bothered to buy the 4K Blu-ray of it. <laughs> If I'm gonna- I, like I say, the, the, the movie was an inspiration <laughs> for me to do this show because I was like, wow, that was a cool idea. Right. But then you get to the end and you would, the entire end climax is built around product placement. And you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, that is just the biggest way. Like, I've seen product placement in movies, but that is probably the worst I've ever seen. Where literally the entire climax of the movie is built around Krispy Kreme. <laughs> yeah, which, I, which I'm really hoping that they rectify when Hasbro does their PC PRCU. I guess that's what they're going to call it. Mm-hmm. But I, I hope they rectify that and they don't. And, and they give us, like you said at the top of the show, more of those nostalgia elements, but recontextualized in a more updated way. Like, yeah. like I, I just I, honestly, I've told I've told Nathan that I I as far as a Power Rangers movie, I kind of just want the 1995 film, but with just a bigger budget and better CGI. 
So, honestly, yeah, well, I mean, was... well, I mean, the '95 movie had a lot of its own flaws, and a lot, mm. you know, it had, oh, as much, it had as much Power Rangers in it as the 2017 movie, honestly. But you know, we, and we just did a commentary on it for our show, mm-hmm. a commentary track, and it is a terrible movie. And I, and I think that uh, the problem with the movie is they brought in Ivan Ooze to be this character who kind of usurps the original villains. I think if you leaned more into the Japanese aesthetic of it and you had Lord Zed be the actual villain in that movie, you could do mm. you could do something cool with it. You know, but yeah, as I said, the show is my version of what I've always wanted the the show to be of like the ultimate version of it. And, you know, maybe sometimes in season two it got a little complex, but I feel like all of it just added to the story and added to the lore and a lot of it is just serving a lot of masters where it's like okay i'm bringing in these dark rangers but i also want it to be a power set that people will recognize because it'll be from but they can also set up for a power set that they'll use in the future Mm -hmm. you know yeah absolutely i mean yeah so but carl this has been such a wonderful conversation and before we land the plane nathan and i were we were talking before the broadcast we're like okay so we want to make we want to make sure we ask substantive questions but of course as fans of this particular genre we have fanboy questions so we're going to do a quick lightning round of just some fanboy questions one of which uh, you've already answered but one of which you've already okay. answered. One of which you've already answered. But you can choose. What was that? Answer. Sorry. Oh, when I when I kind of alluded to Zed being the dark specter of this universe, mm-hmm. uh, because that's that. And I can piggyback off of that question and say, is there an actual bigger threat, or is there is there a more powerful being in your universe? For me, the- it's it's much more Star Trekky. It's much more like like the the whole concept of Lord Zed going off to fight an intergalactic war with the Machine Empire. That's like wow, I want to see that show. Like right. you know, like, that was that is my concept of it. Of like, it's not necessarily that it's this hierarchy of evil or whatever. It's a case of it's whoever has the most territory, the most power, and they're all. It's Game of Thrones. They've got the, you know, there's not one empire. There's a bunch of empires and they're all fighting. And Zed is currently the biggest empire. He's like the Galactic Empire and the Machine Empire are like the second biggest. And they're fighting over the territory. And it's whoever has the control and hears about these, these powers that will give them a one up in the war Mm. will be the people who come to earth. Mm -hmm. Well, you've nodded to the, you've nodded to the Machine Empire. Will we actually see them show up? Well, we've, that's where Zed's gone, right? He's gone to go and fight the Machine mm-hmm. Empire. That's how mm-hmm. I wrote him off. That they, they, they're being invaded. So there's a whole amazing war between Zed, the Zed Empire and the Machine Empire happening right now, as all of season two is going on. Y- yes, the, they will show up a lot sooner than you think, and not in the way that you think. Mm-hmm. I'm going to okay. do something off screen that way people go, "Oh my god, no! You're never going to do them then." But they're machines and machines. Death isn't always death. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, even in the show, I mean, how many times did Mondo die? I think about at least twice <laughs> in <Twice>. Zio. <laughs> yeah, he died twice. He, he died at least twice. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, yeah. But uh, but relatedly, so okay, so the Machine Empire. But you know, is it possible that we could see some you know some other classic Ranger villains, Divatox, uh, Astronema? You know, is that possible? Yeah, well, it, you know, if we ever get that far, absolutely. Like, you know, I'm not playing too far ahead because I don't know what mm-hmm. the future brings, you know. But I, you know, I, I if I get there, I almost ex- imagine it as there's there's a villain that's going to come in at the start of season. Well, in these next two episodes, 
uh, in the finale of season two, mm. there's going to be a couple of characters that come in that are from the season three of, of, of Rangers that will explain how I'm going to bring in the other villains. And it's almost a case of there's Zed and then there's his empire, but then what happens if that power structure starts to fall away? It's almost like the post-Return of the Jedi sort of thing, where once the Emperor's gone and the Empire falls, a lot of warlords start springing up to be the mm-hmm. next Zed. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so now let's go a different direction. So we talked about villains. Could we potentially see some popular Ranger allies show up in your show? You know, the Blue Centurion, Phantom Ranger, Masked Rider, you know, characters like that. This is kind of a spoiler for season three, but at the same time, we've already announced it because it was at the end of the commentary track that we did for the movie. Shane, who played Saba, came to me and he says, oh, I, I really like Carmen Ryder. I'd like to do an adaption of that. And I'd be like, hey, oh. look, I'm not interested in doing that, but if you want to do that. And, he, and so he is going to do a Mass Rider spinoff uh, that, oh. will be set, that will be set in the same continuity in the same universe. And it will use a lot of the characters that I won't be using anymore. It, the main character of it will be Chad, who was one of the Shadow Rangers. And those characters, Chad, Dominic, those kind of characters will be going over to the, to the Mass Rider show and, and Shane will be running that i'm I'm kind of just overseeing it as sort of an umbrella thing but it's it's all him so this will be a separate show apart from it'll be a separate the, show but set within the same continuity a spin-off okay yeah. that makes that actually makes that actually makes uh me happy and i know it'll make our co-hosting common happy. <laughs> uh we have a friend who is a huge common writer fan like he loves common writer more than i think any other tokusatsu show in history and he'll be happy to know that there's actually going to be some mass writer. Yeah. And it's, it's so weird that, uh, that Shane was like, I want to start it at the start of season three. I was like, this is exactly when it happened in the original show as well, that, that the spin-off uh-huh. show was created. And he's yeah. obviously basing it off the original, the original mass writer, but the hints of that will start coming in, in the finale season two, heading into season three. Interesting. Okay. He's going to be built into the, the transition. Let's put it that way. Interesting. Okay. All righty. Is he going to be playing Master Rider as well? No, he uh, he's playing. He plays Chad. Chad and Sabra are the same. Oh, okay. Character, which uh, which is crazy because they're just two very different voices. But oh, yeah, it's, he, a, it's completely different. When you start naming like, in the end credits, when you start naming the voice actors, I was like, really? They they did both of those voices? Yeah, or like even Scott sometimes Peter and Kimberly are the same actress and yeah, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, he's playing Chad. But Dex, Prince Dex, will be a character as well. Interesting. Oh, exciting, exciting. Okay. okay. I think he kind of talked about one of these other ones, Michael. So do we want to go to the big crazy one? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm a little hesitant to ask this question, Carl, honestly. And and this is, this is a question that comes from a friend of ours. And I'm going to try to put this as gingerly as I can. Why did... Why... Why did Scorpina, why did you write that Scorpina and Tommy had a sexual relationship? (laughs) Um, That threw us off so bad. Drama. Um, (laughs) It was a case of, I was like, well, she's very extremely human looking. And again, it was a drama of a thing of like, I wanted to add conflict with um, Goldar and Tommy. And I wanted it to be a very personal thing. There was Mm -hmm. one comment on the the episode eight that was like, wow, you've, you've turned Power Rangers into a CW show. Which you know, um, <laughs> like uh, you know, I 
it was a case of when the actress who plays Scorpino, um, Kat, who also plays Kimberly, read that, she was like, what the hell? Like, what the hell? <laughs> and I expected so many more people to be, to be commenting on the episode going, oh my God, what the hell has happened? It, it, wrecked, it wrecked our mutual friend, Travis, because he said, yeah. after he listened to that episode, he's like, I don't know if I can continue. This is a little yeah. bit too much for me. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, my response to it was, well, Scorpina be horny. Yeah, oh, no. and it's a, case of, <laughs> it's a case of, you know, it's it's almost, it's also symbolism for what sure. Rita is doing with him. Uh, it's a case of not only does it add good drama with that whole thing with Goldar and Kim and it, it made it made a much more personal rivalry. And it mm. also made Scorpina have a character which she never had of almost kind of like this poison ivy sort of seductress. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which makes total character. sense. Yeah, she is. Uh, she was already a femme fatale, and you took it to the next level. Yeah, and, and then it, it makes that. That's what. Like without that happening, that rivalry between Kim and Scorpina doesn't really happen, and you get the whole thing with Goldar where he leaves her, and that explains why Scorpina's not part of the gang anymore, and that kind of stuff of of, of them splitting up, and it just adds a lot more drama. And again, I think it's also symbolism for what happened with Rita is she was using Tommy because she needed him for his, his body to use the powers and Scorpina took advantage of him the same way. And for anybody who felt like, like that was what it was when he came to her in the finale episode and said, you raped me. He absolutely calls it out. That is exactly what it was. And I think he got his redemption for that in that case. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's a very interesting take on it that I, I don't think enough writers actually stop and think about when you're dealing with things like uh, mind control or mind alteration. And then when the characters come to their senses, do they stop and think, well, I wouldn't have done that. And you made me do it. It, it gets very complicated, like you said. Yeah. And, and it's, sure. it's very, it's as, as dark as it is. It's very real. It's very real that this woman who has based her entire life on strength, when you know, seeing her husband losing and losing and losing, and then suddenly this strapping young guy comes in and he's helping them beat the Rangers and they are winning. Uh, it's it, and she, as a person who is drawn to strength and drawn to power, she's drawn to that, and she can do whatever she wants with him. She could take advantage of him because he is under their control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a very yeah it's it's definitely a very it's an inter- it was an interesting episode mm-hmm. uh and and definitely created a lot of drama that was intriguing like mm-hmm. just to to the just that whole character dynamic between you know uh, evil tommy goldar and scorpina that was that was that was tense we'll say that well, that was and very just tense. the fact that like kim will always have, and it's crazy it's the same actress kind of a hold that over her. <laughs> like it, it's kim the kim almost has this hanging over of like she is not the person to take his virginity scorpina was and she can never take that back and scorpina has taken that from her and it makes their rivalry very personal very mm. much so very much so mm. carl just sort of a little of a more of a personal question what's been the most rewarding part about doing not maybe not even just the the, uh, the power ranger stuff but like everything that you have with scyther like what's been the most rewarding thing for you through this process stuff like doing this interview honestly stuff like hearing guys like you come back to me and say oh my uh, you know i really enjoy it you know just just the response of people going 
dude, this is like the best version of Power Rangers ever or whatever. And like, or they'll say to me, this is the X-Men show I've always wanted. It's like, mm-hmm. I know because I made it that, like, I don't believe that personally. Like I am just, I'm trying to make it that, but I, but for me, I made the show because that's what I wanted. And the fact that, you know, people are coming back to me and saying that back to me means I've achieved what my intended goal was like at this point in the show i have achieved what i wanted to do which was make a mature version that people consider to be you know it taps into the nostalgia but also gives them a much more satisfying story so if people are enjoying the show that's the thing that that makes me happy and if people are listening to it and going oh my god i love that that shock ending or i love that story point or you know i love your writing there for me that's that's all the reward that i could ever want yeah we we want to like nathan and i have to we have to catch ourselves sometimes when we're having conversations because we reference your show as of as is as if it is actual canon you know, it is actual, it is actual canon because that's what it, cause that's what it feels like. And I, and I'm not trying to bloat your ego, but it really does feel like it could be actual canon within the franchise. And we, and we, as fans, me, especially as a super fan of this, of the Ranger franchise, like that is something I deeply appreciate or, or have appreciated about what you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I'm that, that's again, that's all I could ever want. Um, thank mm-hmm. you very much. And the fact that people consider it, uh, consider it that is is awesome like again i i'm just making the show that i want and like sure. mm-hmm. the Makes fact that, that show yeah. doesn't exist the fact that we have never had a serious reboot show the original show is crazy in the nostalgia let's reheat and remake everything culture that we are in the fact that this show doesn't exist as a live action saban is just leaving money on the table the fact we have never had like a high school reunion episode with the original actors oh, like, a movie, like a movie where they all just come back and well, find out what they're doing in their lives and they you bring back the characters and not just the costumes the fact they haven't mm-hmm. they're leaving money on the table yeah. yeah yeah the only downside to that is obviously tui trang is no longer with us right. yeah and the, the actors are almost not necessarily, but a lot of them are maybe too old for to play their characters anymore. But you know, it, they maybe miss the boat a bit on that. But I still think it would be really fun to do that. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, have the characters talk about the things as characters. Let's flesh them out. Let's have Catherine and Kimberly have a conversation about their relationships with Tommy. Let's you know have Jason and Zach come back in and regret leaving. And yeah, it's it was such a like I feel like that Saban was leaving a lot on the table with I think you guys talk I think you guys talked about this in one of your bonus episodes the gung the the gung ho episode yeah the, the fact that I adapted Titanus or yeah the Titanus episode is straight up just gung ho but yeah. but done different better. done but well well it's done better because there's act I feel like it's done better to the to the point where there's actual character conflict between Tommy mm-hmm. and Jason. Whereas mm-hmm. I think that was a lot that Nathan and I've talked about this, like that is a missed opportunity in my opinion, that they could have had that through line throughout that entire season of that character conflict. These two alpha males, like one who, who is the actual official leader and one who could be perceived as the leader and that, and the insecurity that may create between the two. And mm-hmm. I, I thought that was like a, I thought that would have been an interesting thing. And, and I, especially I if also say John has stayed on the show and this is something that I've done a bit of, but there'll be a little bit more of as as Jason maybe transitions out. Is the the idea of them fight uh, Tommy coming in as the White Ranger is like is new the new leader, and Jason having to step aside as the leader. I think that could have been a great character thing on the show, but unfortunately the actors got fired, so we never get we never really yeah got that. yeah yeah. There's also a little bit of. Uh, 
TV wasn't quite done like that at the time. So it's a little bit of a product of its time. TV was much more episodic at that moment. The, the idea of serialized television was being attempted in a few places, but for the most part, it was still like a, you know these self-contained episodes. So you might have a conflict in one episode, but it doesn't necessarily spill over into other episodes, which... Spoiler warning for our listeners is one of the things that Michael and I are going to talk about a lot when we get to our episode on Power Rangers in space, where I really feel like after you know five seasons of doing stuff, how it's typically done, they get to in space and they're like, well, you know what? We're probably getting canceled after this, so let's go crazy. <laughs> and then they went into some very unexpected directions, I think, for the franchise. I think adult TV was doing that at that point. I mean, serialization didn't come in because of um, the change from syndication to streaming and stuff. I think serialization became more common then. But like, I, I do think that a lot of TV, like I think Next Generation, Star Trek was already doing continuity episodes mm-hmm. and, you know, Deep Space Nine and... Um, oh, Deep Space Nine, especially. the. I feel like... Another show that I think really kind of propelled it, but it was very experimental thing was something like Babylon 5. Yeah, absolutely. That was very yeah. serialized. But then it took the show Lost to make it the popular thing to do. Because yeah, Lost absolutely. was this phenomenon. And then everybody looked at that and said, okay, this is how we do TV now. But they did do that in Power Rangers. Like they had the whole Tommy losing his powers thing. That was mm-hmm. an ongoing story. And like mm-hmm. they did do that. So I fit and you know, Catherine when she took over Kimberly, they did do those kind of things. But I, I again I think they could have gone a little deeper with it and got a lot Oh, definitely. Deeper. Definitely. Carl, what is like what what do fans of your show have to look forward to in the next season that you're writing? Without getting too spoiler, without yeah, getting too spoiler, yeah, yeah, without getting too spoilery, we've get we got two more episodes of this season, which is kind of a. It kind of feels like episode ten was the actual finale because all the Shadow Range stuff is wrapped up, Rita's mm-hmm. in prison, something stuff. There's an episode that's sort of going to do um, a year in the life of. It's called the Year of the Power Rangers. Is the next episode, so we're going to kind of um, let time pass and let them just have a status quo because that's the only thing in my version of the show is like because it's constant drama and we don't do the monster of the week the villain of the week kind of wasted episodes there's never really a status quo you know you never really feel like they get the zord out every week sort of thing so like this next episode is going to be doing that so that there is a status quo of they are just the power rangers and they're being superheroes every week sort of thing so that's the next episode then the finale where may or may not have certain characters return and, and big things go down um, maybe similar to how the last finale was and then we're going to go into season three, which, as I as I said, I have gone extremely off the tracks in this season. We are going to somehow get back on track and we are going to have six rangers with six coins using swords that were in season three. We are going to get to that point. It's just going to be a much more interesting convoluted way of getting there. Mm, sure. Absolutely. So, Carl, before we get out of here, do you have anything you want to plug? Just personal projects, stuff outside of Scyther. Where can people find you guys? I'm always available. I'm obviously on Twitter at Scyther Audio or Scyther Podcasts. Uh, Scyther Audio Dramas, we've got a Facebook group. We've got a Twitter group. We've got a Discord where I chat with all the cast and crew are on there along with uh, a bunch of fans. And just recently we launched a Patreon because not necessarily with Rangers. Uh, It is getting popular, but... 
X-Men that's been around a lot longer and it's got, and I think it's got a bit more of a, of a wider reach audience. It's got extremely popular and the broadcasting network that I'm on, um, just costs a lot for the bandwidth. And I am, you know, paying hundreds and hundreds a year to keep the shows just up on the websites. And also I use the Adobe suite to edit, which is like 50 pounds a month, which is like $70 a month. That's about what I pay too. To, to be able to use Audition and Premiere and, and all those ones. So I needed to, to close that gap. So I'm not at least paying out of pocket. Like, look, one day I would absolutely love for us to be a business where I can pay the act to scale and we, we, you know, the episodes would come out much faster because it would be a job instead of a hobby that they have to do on the side of their actual jobs. You know, I'd love for it to be, become my career, but it's, uh, we're a long, long way away from that. At the minute, it is just a case of I need to not be working in a deficit, which is why I've set up the Patreon. And it's a lot of rewarding stuff for, for the benefits. I th- I ran big up production on a lot of stuff um, for the tiers. So, uh, you know, on Patreon, you can get exclusive written Power Ranger stories that I have written that are side projects or they expand the law or for Power Rangers and X-Men getting exclusive shows. We're doing interviews with all the cast, myself and the cast with GD McGuinness who plays Rita. She's going to be conducting like 50 minute crew interviews with everybody. And we're also going to be launching three shows. One show is going to be reviewing every episode of Power Rangers. One episode is going to be reviewing every episode of the the accompanying Sentai. And we're also going to do an episode uh, reviewing every episode of X-Men, the animated series. Oh, um, which to, to go with the X Men show. So we're going to do all of those at the six pound tier, which I think is about eight dollars. The tier, yeah. yeah, to get to listen to that. So, like I say, the more you put in, the more you get out. The all to the level of there is a twenty pound tier or twenty five dollar tier where you can commission me to write you a story in our continuity based on your story outline. Note to self: Z backstory. believe it or not speaking of things to look forward to between season two and three we're gonna have two bonus episodes one of them is called origins zordon which is going to be the expansion on the exposition that zordon gave in the first episode we're going to see the backstory of him on eltar and the invasion by rita and zed and where the power coins came from all that's going to be in that episode and joey is working on an episode which is going to be a flash forward to dino thunder Ooh. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Because I, 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 to me, I thought Dino Thunder was, it was a, it was a nice love letter to how the franchise first started. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a long way off, but Jay wanted to do it as kind of uh, what is possibly to come in the future of our show. And because Tommy has just come out of the force or the morphing grid, it made sense that he might have some residual side effects and some premonitions into his one possible future could be was a cool concept of a way to do it Mm. interesting very interesting yeah absolutely so carl thank you so much for doing this man we we really thank you very much for having me yeah absolutely i I appreciate you guys being such fans of the show and 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 enjoying it again just the fact that you guys enjoy as much as you do it's awesome Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I listen every. I, I I listened. I listen every time it comes out. Like I've re like today, even in preparation for this conversation, I went and re listened to a few key episodes, and they break my heart now just as much as they did back when you first put them out. So it's it's greatly appreciated, and I just we just appreciate your time. Oh, thank you very much. I much appreciate you for having me on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really terrible at ending these things. So Nathan, do you want to close us out? <laughs> <laughs> Spring it on me. Well, and I want to reiterate 
the what Michael said, Mr. Dutton, thank you so much for coming on to our show. It has been a pleasure talking to you. And as we always do here on The Power Trip, we need to close out with some power blessings. So I will start by saying, may your talking swords not voyeuristically spy on you. And may your Scorpina always look at you the same way she looked at Tommy. And may the power protect you. Thank you for listening to The Power Trip, a podcast produced and hosted by Michael Hamilton and Nathan Marching. If you'd like to send us feedback, email us at powertrippod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at The Power Trip Pod, and join our official Facebook group, Power Rangers Legacy. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other great podcasters. The podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Instagram at super underscore r underscore illustrations. Our theme songs are from the album Power of the Grid by Neil Stenson. We also use Galaxy Quest Instrumental by Heaven Wraith from the OC Remix album Jet Force Gemini Mizar Attacks. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. The Power Trip has no association with Saban Entertainment or Hasbro. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. And until next time, see ya!